Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Words That Inspire. Our goal, or my goal is always to motivate, to inspire, to encourage and to uplift anyone who is listening. I am particularly excited about this current episode because I have an awesome guest with me and we are going to be talking about an interesting topic which I believe is is timely given the times we are currently living through. It is an interesting time now, you know, between the mental and economic challenges we are facing because of COVID-19. There is also the social unrest in terms of the relationship between the police and the black community, not just here in the States, but really all over the world. So it is a tough time for a lot of people. And even those who are not financially struggling have to deal with uh, uh, adjusting their lifestyles uh, to something they're not familiar with. So it, we can consider this a time filled with tension, with strife, with unimaginable challenges or challenges that we haven't faced before. So that is what makes this topic very timely because today we are going to be talking about standing tall in times of adversity. It is the last episode in the series keeping your head raised that we started last year. And I wanted to close with this topic because oftentimes in the midst of problems, it feels as if it's impossible to have peace or it's impossible to stand tall. But I believe it is. And so I wanted to invite somebody who I know can speak to this issue. So with me today is Pastor Alex. I have known Pastor Alex and his wonderful wife for a few years now. Uh, his wife is uh, Pastor Mrs. Lumati, and we heard her on the first episode of this of this series. So they are a wonderful, wonderful couple, and I feel blessed to know them um, on a personal level. He is a highly anointed man of God and the visionary behind the Liberty Assembly Ministry. I am going to uh, post the link to their social media pages on the podcast episode and on my blog as well so that you have access to it with emphasis on the word of god and on prayer this dynamic man of god has made it his mission to ensure that the word of god and the power in prayer is shared with all he hosts um i believe daily or weekly sessions on facebook live and it, just to remind everybody, his social media link is going to be up on the blog and on the page for this podcast episode. So, Pastor, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode. Thank you for having me. And thank you for the great job you're doing. Um, in this time and season, every voice is needed in the kingdom of God. And even in the nation at large, um, every voice is needed. Every voice that has something to offer. And um, your voice is uh, one of the voices needed in this end time. And so I want to bless God for your life and for what you're doing. Um, I have also heard of a lot of testimonies that have come from, you know, this podcast that you do. A lot of lives that have been lifted, lives that have been saved. So I pray that God will also continue to increase his anointing over your life and continue to give you the grace to do what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So let's jump right in. Um, mm -hmm. My first question or my opening question is, what are some of the challenges and pressures you have seen people struggle with? Well, to answer that question, um, I would like to divide um, the challenges or pressures people go through into two. Um, the first aspect of it I will call challenges or pressures of life that are needful, genuine or legitimate. Um, you know, we, we live in uncertain times and uh, uncertainty can bring its own pressures and pose some very critical challenges. You know, we live in times of political uncertainty or instability, economic uncertainties. You know, some people's health situation is uncertain. Um, marital, parenting, academic, etc. You know, um, as a matter of fact, recently I have um, one of God's 
daughters whom he has handed over to me in ministry through the grace of God, you know, um, we brought her into the kingdom. And uh, she's been battling health issues for about the last 13 years of her life from mm -hmm. cancer, ovarian cancer. Uh, she was also, uh, uh, you know, she had sickle cell. Um, she was, you know, badly abused as a child. And so on her spine, she had about six dislocations and um, a fracture. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were all on her nerves. So, you know, the doctors did not want to risk a surgery because that could paralyze her for life. You know, because of that, she had high blood pressure. She became suicidal, you know, and uh, she confided in me that sometimes she was afraid to go to bed at night because she was afraid she might not wake up in the morning. You know, and uh, she has six children to cater for as a single mother, you know, so that by itself brought a lot of pressure due to her health challenges. She was unable to work and to provide for her family, you know, so it's just been the grace of God that has been sustaining her. Uh, but thankfully, by the grace of God, we um, the Lord instructed us to go into um, uh, a dry fast for the past two weeks, each weekend, we, we, we are in a dry fast and uh, we prayed around the clock. And um, after the very first uh, fast, you know, the Lord gave some instruction, the spirit of God moved and some declarations were made. Uh, she began to feel some cramps or some pains and uh, decided to go to the doctors to go, you know, see what was going on with her not knowing that it was God's setup for her to see what he has done. On getting to uh, the hospital, they had to do a full test because they already knew her. She was a regular visitor to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And all of the results came back negative. Cancer, gone. Uh, sickle cell, gone. Um, the fractures and dislocations on her spine, four of them had healed automatically by themselves. Um, the other two are still in the process. High blood pressure normalized. They are winning her out of it, out of the, the medication, uh, the suicidal uh, or depression medication. They are winning her out of it. So, you know, um, I'm just saying that just to say that, you know, uh, I see people every day who encounter stuff and a lot of the things they go through are genuine. Um, but to address that category of people, I would like us to um, look at a couple of scriptures. If you also would help me, uh, you know, read maybe a couple of them. Um, let's see, please, if you can help me turn to First Peter 5, verse 7, while I will go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I have about four scriptures I would like to share so that when the viewers, the listeners, you know, go back to this, they, they see the assurance of God's word, you know, in the midst of the challenges and the pressures that they go through. So um, I will read Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And after that, um, you know, we are going to rotate back and forth. Uh, after that, I indulge you to help me read First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Okay. Um, I will also read Matthew eleven twenty-eight, And I will um, ask of you to read John 16, verse 33. Okay, so we'll alternate back and forth. I'm ready with my scripture. Um, I will be reading Philippians 4, verse 6. And it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the verse 7 says, And the peace of God, and the peace of God, which passes, some translations will say, which surpasses all human understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for... Anxiety does not produce any positive result. Be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious Trust God with your needs. Trust God with your challenges. Trust God with the pressures that you face, with the pressures that you go through. Do not be anxious. There are so many things you cannot do for yourself. I cannot do for myself. 
but that's why we have God. He said, do not let your challenges, do not let the pressures of life trouble you. He said, but through prayer, prayer is a channel of communication between you and God. Prayer is a channel of communication. It doesn't have to be, to be uh, uh, so mechanical. Prayer is, is communication, a two-way communication. Prayer is you coming to your God, coming to your Father. The Bible says we do not have a high priest that cannot be moved with the feelings of our infirmity. For he himself has been through it. So God is saying that through your prayer, through this communication, this dialogue, Present your needs. Present to me what are those challenges? What are those pressures of life that we go through? And it says with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. But the verse 7 it is the one that even blows my mind the more. It says, and the peace of God. The peace of God is not the absence of trouble, but it is this absolute tranquility. It is this calmness that God gives you in the midst of your challenges and your pressure to let you know, listen, you are not alone. I will surely get you out of this mess. I will surely get you out of this challenge. I will surely deliver you from this pressure. It will not consume you. He said, that peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that, that tells you that people will look at you and marvel how in the midst of your storm you are calm. It surpasses all understanding. People cannot understand you. How could you be going through this and you are calm? How could you be experiencing this and you are calm? That is what God promises you. Hallelujah. We can look at the next scripture. Okay. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Casting all, not some. You see, there, there, there has been a lot of um, misconception out there that there are some things you cannot bring to God. That is a lie. There is no matter that you cannot bring to God. That is absolutely nothing that you cannot bring to God. And, and again, you know, this takes me to um, parenting, even in our contemporary world, how and 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 you know um, without being prejudiced, um, mm -hmm. this is especially in respect to um, those of us who are of the African descent. Mm -hmm. um, we have not done well in creating the atmosphere where our children can talk to us about anything. Mm -hmm. They are under pressure, maybe to commit sexual immorality. Under pressure you know, to deal with this, you know, um, they, they are beginning to have desire for boyfriend, for girlfriend, and all of that stuff, you know. We, we, we don't, we have not done well in creating that atmosphere where our children can come to us and say, Daddy, Mommy, I, I'm feeling this way. I'm beginning to have these kind of feelings. And then we are able to guide them through it. But we have created this kind of atmosphere where they feel like you dare not go talk to your daddy or mommy about stuff like that. And what our children cannot get from us, social media will teach them, the uh, Hollywood will teach them, the environment will teach them, their peers will teach them. So we have to really do well in that regard. We have to really do well in that regard. The Bible is telling us that we, we cast all, all of your cares, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. All your cares. We live in uncertain times. There are people who have lost a lot of money due to the COVID-19. The stock market has plunged. People have lost money. People who are close to retirement, most of their retirement funds gone. Yeah. And there is that fear of I'm about to retire in a month, in two months. My retirement money is gone. What am I going to do? 
My bill is due. I don't have any money. I'm out of job because of the shutdown or the lockdown. My job had to let me go. Oh, I'm not. Be How am I going to live? How do I survive? I got children who are looking up to me to get to provide the, the basic necessities. I, I don't even know how we are going to eat tomorrow. These are genuine concerns. God said, bring it all to me. Bring it all to me. I will share this before we go to the next scripture. A, a man was coming back from work one day and, and the Lord kept him driving around a certain block and, and gone into a Walmart store and asked him to get a gallon of milk. And he, he didn't understand why you know, he had to go get a gallon of milk. And driving around this neighborhood that is not even close to where he lives at. He knows in his house they already got enough milk to sustain the family for the time. But why, why are you asking me to go around this block? Why did you ask me to get a gallon? I don't even know why I'm getting this gallon of milk, but he got it anyways. And then he continued to drive around that block until he came to this particular house and the spirit told him to pull over in front of this house. He pulled over. He doesn't know anybody in that street. He doesn't know even the owner of the house. The Spirit of God told him, go knock on that door. Take the gallon of milk with you. He went. He knocked on the door. And the house owner came out. And the Spirit said, give him the gallon of milk. And he handed it over to the man. He said, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I, don't, I hope this doesn't embarrass you. But I don't even live. I don't know you. But I, I was just led to go get this from Walmart and you know, I was led to your house and, and the man said, my children are hungry. We don't have food. The only thing I have in the house is cereal that I have no milk for my children to eat. I can't even afford a gallon of milk. And all he had to do was to pray to God, God, what do I tell my children? These are infants. What do I tell them? But you see, while he was thinking about all that and, and, and just speak, like I said, prayer should, does not have to be so traditional and mechanical. It's a dialogue. He opened up a dialogue with his father, with God. God, what do I do? If my children should ask me now, Daddy, we are hungry. What should I tell them? But while he was having that dialogue, God raised somebody. And it is my prayer for somebody who is watching and listening today. I don't know what you may be going through. I don't know what you may be dealing with. I don't know what situation of your life seems to be so overwhelming. I pray that in the name of Jesus, God will send help for you. I say help is on the way. Do not give up. Do not throw in the towel. Help is on the way. Amen. Amen. Let's quickly look at the other two scriptures. I'll read Matthew eleven twenty eight, and you read John 16, verse 33. Okay. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Many are carrying loads. Financial loads, different kind of loads people are carrying. Some of them, it is the load of I'm barely even surviving and I got an extended family depending upon me for survival. I'm carrying this load and here comes this other one. God, I'm dealing with this and, and, and while I'm thinking that this is too much, God, here comes this other one. I, I, I'm dealing with this, and, and then this, this ne negative medical report suddenly comes up. I, I'm dealing with this, and then, and then I get this legal summon to, you know, to appear in court for this. I'm, I'm dealing with this. I'm thinking about how I'm going to pay this bill, and then here comes this speed ticket or red light ticket, and it is, it is from one thing to the other, one thing after the other, one thing after the other, one thing after the other. One thing after the other, but God say, Come unto me. Your labor is too much for you. 
The burden you're carrying is too much for you. God says, come unto me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Amen. Please read your other scripture. Uh, John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In this world you will have tribulation. It is natural. It, it, it is natural. It's not something anybody can escape. And might I also add that God is not the author of tribulation. God is not the author. The Bible tells us that the devil is the God of this world. And he obtained that when man committed high treason in Genesis and ceded our dominion our dominion mandate. That's why when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, the Bible said, the devil said to him, if you will bow down to me, I will give you this entire world and the glory of them. He said, for it was freely handed over to me and to whomever I please, I will give it to. So currently, the dominion of this world is still in the hand of the God of this world who himself is the devil. But your only route of escape is what Jesus offers here. He said, I have overcome the world for you. As long as you are of this world. Now, there's a difference being in this world and of this world. We are all in this world, but not of this world. If you're living a life outside of Christ Jesus, then you are still of this world. And of course, you will encounter the pressures, the troubles, the tribulations of this world. But there is a place of peace, a place of rest, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and find safety. There is none other name given under heaven amongst men by which we must be saved, but by the name of Jesus. There is no peace outside of Jesus. There is no peace. And mind you, I'm not saying there is no peace outside of church. No. You can be a church goer, but not be in Christ Jesus. We have to, we have to differentiate there. You have to be sold out. Surrender your life to Jesus. When you do that, you come under a different government, under a different system altogether. We are the economic systems of the world do not control the size of your pocket. And everything I'm sharing with you, I'm sharing from experience, I am a living example, a living testament. I went through a season of my life, four years of my life, where everything was shut down. No job, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. But within those four years, the only thing I had was God. And he never failed me. And I know he will not fail you. The second leg of this question, remember I said I'm going to divide the challenges and the pressures into two. Some of them are legitimate, you know, genuine pressures, challenges people go through, like we looked at. But the second leg of it is that some of the challenges 
and pressures we go through, they are needless and they are self-inflicted. Okay, before we before we get into that, I had one question on the first leg. When you talk mm -hmm. about our prayer being communication with God, um, I have heard from people who they know they are supposed to pray, mm -hmm. but they don't know where to start. I mean, I know I've I've had those periods in my life where, like you mentioned, it's like you're dealing with one problem and before you can even wrap your mind around it, another one comes along, another one comes along, and it mm -hmm. feels as if the weight of the whole world, like everything that can go wrong, is going wrong at the same time. And I know mm -hmm. those, but I've had those moments where I, I know, okay, I'm supposed to pray, but mm -hmm. words are not for me. I don't even, you know, I, I, I didn't even know where to start. I didn't know which words to use. Just... I knew I was supposed to pray, but I just didn't know how to start. So mm -hmm. for anybody who is in that position right now where they're kind of dealing with a lot and they hear that they're supposed to pray, their communication with God is key, but they don't mm -hmm. know where to start. What do you say to them? Psalm 121 tells us, answers that question. And, and, and I love that you asked that question. I've been there myself. And everybody goes through that season. But that, that's why I also made the statement that prayer does not have to be mechanical. It does not have to necessarily follow a certain pattern. Sometimes Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes onto the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In a time when you are so overwhelmed and you feel like the whole world is crashing on you. You feel like the entire world is collapsing and heaven, you know, hell is coming for the kill. Everything that can possibly go wrong is going wrong. Your prayer can be just one prayer. I was teaching in a ministry I was invited to teach yesterday. And I told them, Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, whom we have already known from several scriptures, he was a man of prayer. He would pray all night long. Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane, overwhelmed with sorrow and grief. He prayed three times. One hour each time. And his only prayer was, if it be possible, let his cup pass from me. But not my will, your will be done. Father, if it be possible, let his cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, let your will be done. In the same vein, Psalm 21, you can go to God, God, I am helpless, help me. God, I am helpless, help me. Hear me, child of God. God will never despise the cry for help. It's as simple as that. God, help me. No more, no less. I'm giving you a secret right here. Forget about all this preaching and teaching or you got to cast and bind and lose and look for the devil and the witch. No. Father, help. In the book of Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52, we hear about the blind Bartimaeus. Who heard that Jesus was passing by and he knew if I miss today, I may never get it again. His cry was just one cry. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. This cry of mercy is not just the cry of a man who thinks he has committed sin. It is a cry of mercy. The word mercy, he show pity on me. Mm. 
my condition, my affliction. So your cry can be, Jesus, help me. Your cry can be, Jesus, look on me with mercy. Look on me with mercy. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say except, Lord, help me. Except, Lord, look on me with mercy. A cry as simple as that will stop. God, the Bible says, Jesus, stopped. Say, bring him to me. And say, what do you want me to do for you? And say that I may receive my sight. He said, Go, my faith has made you hope. And the man's eyes we are open. So prayer does not have to be all of this long systematic prayer, you know, casting, binding, losing. No. No. There is a place for that. But there is a place. Or you just coming on your knees and say, Father, this thing is too much for me. This trouble, this present trouble is too much for me. I need you. God, I need you now more than ever. God, I need you now more than ever. And I can assure you that God will fill in the blank, the blanks for you. The things you would have said, but at that moment, the, the, your, your mind was so, you were so overwhelmed that you couldn't even fill in those blanks. Mm -hmm. God will fill them in for you. Wow. Amen. Wow. Amen. Oh, that's powerful. Can I proceed to the... Yeah, did you have another question? Should I proceed? Proceed. Okay. So the other leg of the question about depressions of life, I said, some of them are needless and self-inflicted. And these arise from us trying to keep up religiousness. Trying to be like everybody else rather than embracing who God has made us to be. Finding our own purpose and fulfilling it. The pressures can come from, my friend lives in a big house, so me too, I want to live in a big house. My friend drives a big car, so to me too, I want to drive a big car. And then we get, we get those big houses, we get those big cars, and the note that we have to pay it's too much for us. <laughs> it is too much. It becomes overwhelming. So, so sometimes, you know, you, you're trying to pursue, oh, you know, uh, my, my friends, they are all doctors. And so I too want to be a doctor like them. Listen, while that's a good and a noble profession, you don't have to be a doctor to be wealthy. You can, you can be a classroom teacher and be the best classroom teacher ever. And you can be paid more than a doctor can be paid. I was listening to um, Dr. Mars Morrow. I don't like to call him the late Dr. Mars Morrow because he may be gone to be with the Lord, but his voice is still speaking. Dr. Mans Monroe received an invitation to come speak at a company and he called his mentor Lex Brown and said, this is my first invitation. I don't know how much should I charge to go speak to these uh, chief executives and you know, directors. It's just for one hour. And Lex Brown said to him, how much do you think you are worth? <laughs> Jesus. And how much are you thinking about charging? And he said, you know, I mean, it's just one hour. I was thinking maybe four or five thousand dollars. And some people 
don't make that amount in a month. But this is what he was contemplating on charging for one hour. And Dr. Lex Brown said, 4,000, is that what you think you're worth? He said, I mentored you, but I can tell you, you have become better than me because you have taken time to develop yourself more and more. And you, you are better than me. He said, if you charge them $4,000, I'm ashamed of you. And, and, and Dr. Morrow said, but if it was you, how much were you going to charge them? And he said, opening price, $25,000 for one hour. And Dr. Monroe called the company back because they were waiting for him to give them his price before, you know, they sealed the deal. He called them back and he said, his price is $25,000. He said, deal. The next day, the check was in the mail. Wow. So I'm saying this in effect that I don't know of any doctor who makes $25,000 for one hour. Please, if you know, refer me, show, show me. $25,000 for one hour. I don't know of anyone. So what, what I'm saying in effect is this. No matter what God has ordained for you to do, just get very good at it. And people will look for you. And they will pay dearly just to get what you have to offer. My advice, extricate yourself from those external pressures. Free yourself from the captivity of your mind. And there you will find true freedom. Even God cannot set free a man who has chosen to remain in bondage or in the bondage of his mind. You never have true freedom until the day you stop worrying about how people think about the car you drive. Until the day you stop thinking about how people think about the price of the house you're living in compared to the one they live in. You never will have true freedom. Let me finish this leg with this example. My wife and I, we were renting an apartment somewhere before the Lord graciously blessed us with the house. And, you know, most of these apartment complexes have their modeled ones. You know, they have like the silver appliances. Um, but you pay extra for those. And then there are those where they have those old school white refrigerator, you know, the white standard microwave and stuff like that. You know, the regular white stove and... And somebody came one day and said, you know, why, why didn't you guys get, you know, an apartment that has, you know, the upgraded stuff, like the silver stuff, you know, it makes the house pop and all of that. Yeah. And, and I said, you know, the food we ate in your house the other day was good, very good. But if you cook that same food on this white stove, will it taste different? <laughs> 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 you know, if you if you use this microwave, will it affect the taste of the food? If the answer is no, then why am I paying more? Sure. Just because I want the upgraded appliances. Of course, that's going to affect my pocket. And, and is it worth it? Is it worth it? So I really would say, you know, those pressures, that's, this is where you need to do a lot of self-reflection and look at the challenges, the things that are posing all of these challenges and pressures in your life and differentiate the ones that are self-inflicted from the ones that are legitimate that you have no control over. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. I mean, everything you just said kind of touched on all the questions I had to ask ask you mm -hmm. um but just to tackle a little bit when you were talking about um allowing external pressure to dictate how you live your life you know comparing yourself with others and so on you know reminded me when we're talking about when you were talking about peace 
there is a piece mm-hmm. that comes with not always comparing yourself with others when you're running in your own lane. You know, I had somebody uh, describe it as in a race, let's say a hundred meter race, it's much mm-hmm. easier for you to run in your own lane, regardless of what position you, you come in. It's much mm-hmm. easier to run in your own lane, but much more difficult when you're in your own lane and you keep looking at the other side. You know, that is when you find yourself going out of lane, crashing into people, making all kinds of mistakes. You know, so, but, but there's a piece that comes with not comparing yourself with, with others. Um, I'm going, okay, since really you've addressed all the, all the questions I, I had. So I will end with this one, with this last question. Mm-hmm. There are times when in the midst of our troubles or problems, or storms, we lose sight of our purpose. So it's it's not because, you know, there are times when we lose our purpose because we keep looking at other people. For example, I've seen people who are called to teach keep trying to copy other people. And I always say, God called you for your own style, your own voice, use it well. That is one issue. But there are times when sight of purpose is lost because there are other problems to deal with. And when that happens, I believe if, especially when you're in a position where you know what God has called you to do and when you know what your strengths are, time is ticking by and opportunities are being lost when you're not focused on your purpose and you're focused on everything else. So I guess I'm trying to ask you to add talk to anybody out there who they know what their purpose is they know what god has called them for but so far it's been collecting dust on the shelf because there are all these problems and troubles that they are dealing with and they believe they don't have time or don't have energy or don't have the focus to kind of address whatever it is god has called them to do that's um a very interesting question um and I, I can also submit to you that um, almost more than 50% of the troubles people go through in life is um, not knowing what their purpose in life is. It is not so much that people have lost their purpose that it is that most people don't don't even know what their purpose is. And and um I, I think this is something that calls for folks to really pause or stop and reflect. I can tell you that one of the blessings of COVID-19 is that a lot of people who have been on the move and barely had time for themselves have by default been able to and do not be surprised the kind of masterpieces, noble ideas and inventions and what have you that people have come up with to solve some of the world's problems today. Besides God and my wife, one of the most precious times of my life is when I'm by myself. I do a lot of self-reflection. I ask myself questions like, why am I here? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Why am I here? Am I really fulfilling my purpose? How effective am I? Each time I do this, something wakes up inside of me. But again, we have more people thinking they are working in their purpose but who actually don't even know their purpose. Mm. So how do you know what you lost was your purpose when you don't even know what what your purpose is? Because your purpose is something that is inherent. It's, It's like an inbuilt mechanism 
that God put inside of every man. And we oftentimes try to look for our purpose outside. Your purpose is not outside of you. It's on the inside of you. It is inherent. And once you find it, you can't lose it. Being effective with it is another matter altogether. But in my opinion, I don't think you can lose your purpose. All you need to do is to find your purpose. All you need to do is to ask yourself, wait a minute, it is true. Yeah, I might be doing a particular thing and succeeding in it, but am I really working in my purpose? Because you are successful in something does not really make that your purpose. Because once you start doing something over and over and over and over and over again, you gain mastery of what you're doing. It doesn't make it your purpose. I know of um, a couple who are in ministry. They are both pastors. But prior to getting into ministry, they were both full-time medical doctors. The Bible says that a man's heart devises his ways, but the Lord directs his path. So naturally, your mind will devise ways. You're born, and then you begin to grow. And of course, you know, part of our upbringing is our parents begin to have mind to you. You have to go to school. You know, you must be educated. That is good. You know, and some of our parents begin to pressure us. You know, you want to be a professional, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be an engineer. You know, that's where the money is. Yeah. Rather than finding out what your purpose is and trying to guide you into it. And a lot of people today have died out of frustration. I've seen billionaires commit suicide. And I ask myself, what in the world will make a billionaire? I thought you have everything. They have money, they have no peace. Their peace is not coming from any other trouble except that there is still a void in their lives that money cannot fill. There is a famous TV personality who committed suicide. I don't want to mention his name and the TV channel or you know, network he works for or he worked for. And the show was traveling all over the world, was doing good. And one day they found him in his home had committed suicide. And, and so and I think there are people who look at his life and say, oh my God, I wish I was like him. Yeah. I wish my life was like him. I, I, I want to be like him. But you don't know the internal struggles that he himself was dealing with. That it's true, I'm traveling all over the world. I got, you know, you know, this um, you know, international media personality. I'm an international media personality. I got this global, you know, follow followership, and 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 I guess it's still something. The couple I was referring to, they left their blossoming, flourishing medical career and went into ministry. And they are very blessed in ministry. Very blessed. I'm not saying everybody is called to come be a pastor. What you're doing, my sister, that's, this is ministry. This is ministry. I know somebody in our ministry who God has given the passion to help the less privileged people in our country on one of the islands. And so every uh, summer period, when the children are going back to school, she herself is going through some financial challenges. But she will rally around and raise money from people. And she will purchase backpacks, books, you know, pencils, different stuff, and ship them to her country and distribute to all of these children whose parents could not afford to get it for them. 
And she gets a lot of satisfaction doing it. That's it, but she has found her purpose. She doesn't have her own money. As a matter of fact, she did not even have her own home. She didn't have a home. See, up till now, I know she doesn't have a job. But she finds peace and fulfillment and satisfaction in helping other people. She has found the purpose. And the Lord released a revelation, a prophecy about her that what she's doing will grow into a foundation. That would gain international attention. So the problem with a lot of people is not that you they've lost their purpose. It was you find your, your purpose comes with a passion, it comes with a fire. There is a, a, an unquenchable fire inside of you. That no matter what you go through in life, it cannot kill that fire. It cannot kill that passion. That's your purpose. And I have found one secret. And I think this will bless many people. You are not called to do too many things. You are called to do one thing. <laughs> Jesus said to Mary, is to uh, you know Martha and Mary, the, the sisters of Lazarus, when he visited their own. Martha was encumbered, serving and doing the hospitality thing, and and came to Jesus and said, "Tell my sister to get up and help me." And Jesus said to her, "Martha, Martha, you worry about too many things." Only one thing is needful. Your sister Mary has chosen that path and it cannot be taken away from her. We have this notion, I am called to do this. Because, you know, you, you love children. Suddenly you think my passion and my purpose is to help children. And then the other day, I also like to help women who are going through abuse. And then, oh, that's my purpose. Oh, you know, I'm called to, to, to do this. And then you, before you know it, you become so overwhelmed. Like, God, only me, all of these things, just me. And then guess what? You're not even doing anyone. Go to the Bible. Look at certain people in the Bible. They are called to, the Bible says about John the Baptist that he is the forerunner. His assignment is to come prepare the way of the Lord and vacate the scene. You need to look at all of those, write down all of those things you think you have a drive, a passion for. And begin to do the process of elimination. I'm not saying that because you're doing one thing, if you see a child in need or a woman going through abuse that you cannot help them. No, you can help them. But that does not really make it your purpose. There's a, uh, we, we all want to do good. There's a difference between doing good and doing right. Doing the right thing is doing the will of God for your life. I may be doing something good, but not necessarily doing what God has called me to do. So right in this context becomes the will of God for your life, your purpose, the reason why you're here. And the worst enemy to your purpose is not bad, but good. The worst enemy to your purpose in life is not bad, but good. People 
can use, or even the devil can use a lot of good things that they want you to get involved in to distract you from doing the right thing, which is your purpose. That is a shocking revelation right there. That the worst enemy to fulfilling your purpose in life is not doing a bad thing. You can be involved doing so many good things that you end up not doing the right thing and fulfilling your purpose. So you want to write down all of those things you feel that you are having, you have a drive for. Take it to God in prayer. God, what am I really called to do? God, why am I here? What is my essence? What did you create me to do? And the Bible said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And God will order your steps into his purpose for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 This has been so insightful. I've been taking notes. And when I do this back again, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have more notes to take. It has been wonderful um, talking with you, and I hope sometime in the future you will come on again. Uh, for today, if you want to close us, close us out with a word of prayer. Absolutely, and uh, I, I just uh, before I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to um, you know uh, share your platform with you. And I pray that the Almighty God will also continue to bless you and increase you mightily in the name of Jesus. I, I pray that God will give wings to what you're doing, that it will fly. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. may God give you wings in the spirit and give you wings in the natural. May God open the gates of nations unto you and to this assignment which he has given you. In the name of Jesus, Amen. I pray for all those viewers and listeners of this amazing work that you are doing, that God will visit them in this season of their lives. I pray for them that, that in the midst of this pressure, this is what the Lord is telling me to tell somebody, that these pressures that you are facing, these challenges are not there to destroy you, they are there to make you. God is telling me to encourage somebody that your challenges are there to reveal you. God said you can never know who you are. You can never fully understand who you are until the storms of life face you because they help to reveal your identity. They help to reveal your capacity. They help to reveal the potentials in you. God said to encourage somebody this morning. There are people who have created businesses out of affliction. There are people who have created noble ideas that have changed the world today out of affliction. Those ideas, those creative capacities and potentials, we are strengthened, we are discovered in the place of affliction. God, I should also tell somebody here that you will never know how much you have grown and increased until you come out of your affliction. For God said that your affliction is causing a growth in your life. Your affliction is producing growth. Your affliction is producing growth in your life. And God said, until you come out of it, you may never know how much you have grown. And I pray for you that God will give you the grace of endurance. Father, I pray for somebody. There are some people here watching and that may be listening to this broadcast. I, my prayer for you is not that God will deliver you from that, that affliction or from that challenge. But my prayer for you is that God will give you the endurance, the patience to go through it. Because ah, there are things that will not manifest in you until you go through and the world is waiting for the manifestation of the things you carry that only affliction can release and reveal. And so may God give you grace in the midst of it, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I pray for those who have brought some self-inflicted pressure and challenge on their lives, that God will give you wisdom. 
that God will give you wisdom to liberate and extricate yourself out of it and focus on the things that God has called you to do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen to everyone listening. I know you have been blessed. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing you, uh, uh, having you listening on our subsequent episodes. Wherever you are, God be with you. Amen, blessed. Amen.